Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Flagstaff County podcast. I'm Kerry Castagna, Communications Coordinator for Flagstaff County. You're listening to the official podcast of Flagstaff County. Before I get to today's guest, I just want to announce that the summer edition of the Flagstaff County newsletter will be going out to rural and hamlet residents very shortly, so look out for that in your mailboxes. And if you're not already, be sure to keep up with Flagstaff County on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as the Flagstaff County website at flagstaff.ab.ca. All right, so I am joined today by former Flagstaff County Councilor Charlotte Curtis. Welcome, Charlotte. Hi, thank you. Now, first off, you served as a Division Five Councilor for 15 years from 1998 to 2013. How was your time as Councilor? Well, I began it rather nervously, but I really enjoyed, I'd have to say, I enjoyed my time on council. I enjoyed the camaraderie of the fellow councillors and even though it changed over the years and I really enjoyed learning. I learned so much from roads to budgets to chairing a meeting to uh, the agricultural part. I just can't say there wasn't anything I didn't like about it. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, What do you remember most about those years? I suppose my first term was quite memorable. The uh, Taiwan Sugar Company, uh, Corporation of Taiwan, uh, was uh, proposing to build hog barns in the eastern part of our county. And it was very contentious. And... uh, our Reeve, Ken Skoberg, was just a real good role model for me in mitigating as much as possible tension. And uh, he, he was very principled. He stuck with the right thing to do. And it, it was a very tense full three years. So that stands out in my mind the most. And that was early in your term. So that's kind of like a baptism by fire. You yeah. you, you got into yeah. it right away. <laughs> the, just prior to my coming on, the uh, county had issues between Paint Earth County and us over uh, tax base for the power plant and road building infrastructure, I guess. Most of the employees lived in Flagstaff but Paint Earth got all the assessment from the power plant and the mine, of course. So Ken Skoberg or Reeve said he didn't think anything could be worse than that. And he decided to run one more term and he couldn't believe how (laughs) one more thing was worse, the hog barn issue. (laughs) Well, keeping all of that in mind, we have an election coming up in October. Uh, What would you say to someone who is considering running in this fall's municipal election? As time went on over my uh, five terms, there got to be more more committees, more issues at hand, and it became pretty well full-time. 
And so when I started, it was the greatest part-time job, I thought. But uh, be prepared for steep learning curve and, and baptism by fire, more or less. There's, there's a lot of commitment required. Yeah, and most people may not realize that. Yeah, just reading your package and doing your homework uh, takes a significant amount of time as well as all the extra extra committee committees that you're on. So speaking of a full-time job, now you've been working on a volunteer project that sounds, well, it sounds like a full-time job. You're collecting obituaries, birth notices, and wedding and anniversary announcements from local newspapers, along with funeral cards and wedding invitations. These are all people who were born raised or died within the Flagstaff region. Now, a lot of people clip various items from the newspaper, but you're taking it further. You're collecting every obituary, birth notice and wedding and anniversary announcement and funeral card and wedding invitation you can get your hands on and you're preserving them. Tell us about how you're doing that. I'm, I'm making a database on the computer for all of the obituaries and the weddings so far. I just recently started the weddings last week. And so I, I couldn't tell you how many I have in boxes that people have given me. But with the obituaries, I have 3,180. I just checked. Wow. And uh, a very few of them are just in memoriams that I've cut out of the newspaper because I, it was before my time of collecting obituaries. And if people can give me the official or the newspaper obituary, I'll discard the in memoriam. It's just a record of that person having lived or died here. So uh, pretty much in memoriams just give you the birth year or the death year. And, who, some, and most often loved by and the family so otherwise the the uh, hands-on piece the newspaper clipping i began putting them in a in two binders to start with ada ada k and h-i-j-k-l to z and now i've divided it into four uh binders and i'm putting them on archival paper as well as in uh, archival sleeve, plastic sleeve, to uh, preserve them. Each letter A doesn't have all the people in it alphabetized, but the next people that that whose surnames start with B are in the B section and C section for the C surnames. So it goes on like that. However, on the database, it is all individually alphabet, alphabetized. So that's what how I'm preserving it so far. But more recently, I've realized they need to be digitized for people to access the physical obituary. And I don't presently know how to do digitizing. I plan to learn over the summer or early fall. And that's going to be a major job. So I'm looking at a grant and maybe some student assistance to, uh, to do that. 
Otherwise, my first intent was that my binders might might be housed at the county and they people could look on the internet and see the database and see that I have the obituary of their loved one. And if they wanted to read the full obituary, they would have had to go to the county. But that's not practical for most people as people are farther afield, even out of province. Mm -hmm. And so I realized digitizing is the way to go. And uh, that's another big full-time project. So uh, Charlotte, what would that look like uh, if you're digitizing, you'll have the actual obituary would be yes. on, online on a website, right? Yes, it would be preferably the actual obituary. If it is a funeral card I have, I have, oh, I have cut them apart somewhat and tried to get the life story with the name of the person, the church who, where the funeral was held or the hall and the pallbearers, uh, perhaps the clergy and definitely where they're interred, if it says. So that's been, and if their picture is on the front of the page, I've tried to, I've photocopied and tried to insert their picture somewhere on there as well. So lately funeral cards have pictures. Earlier in the days, like 30 years ago, there weren't, there weren't pictures. Mm -hmm. So even funeral cards have changed <laughs> over the time. And now even obituaries, just the obituary, write up are changing as well they used to be quite detailed now sometimes especially during this time of covid they're very brief just the name of the spouse and the name of the children not even last names often if the if the female children are married and not even the wife's maiden name so i'm having to do a lot of research in my in my collection of history books to uh, I've been trying in the database to put who the spouse was before married and who the parents, the mother of that deceased was before married. So there's a little bit of research I'm doing on, on this end of it before it gets to the database. Oh, it sounds like a lot of work. Now, you've already been at this for several years. Uh, take us to the beginning. How did it all start? Oh, yes. I started actually in August, mid-August of 2013. I was at my hometown's um, Centennial. That's the Youngstown, Alberta. And that was celebrated the first part of August. And... Uh, here someone there had been collecting obituaries over the years and i think it's changed from person to person a bit the the binders are housed in the youngstown library and a friend said charlotte you should look at these you might find uh, your relatives in here so i took a look and sure enough i found my uh, grandfather of 1954 and the write-up of him wow. in there. And I did not have anything about him. In fact, I was three when he died. And I don't have any recollection of him. Huh. So that was a real blessing to find that. And then early my on my grandmother's side, her mother and her uncle 
were also in there. Her mother died in 41 and her uncle in 44. And her uncle, Tom Western, is the uh, homestead that I grew up on. So that was very meaningful to find those obituaries as they were written up in the Youngstown paper or the Hannah paper was our go-to center. So uh, that's what started it. It was such a, as I'm into genealogy and doing my family history, it meant so much to me to find that, that I thought I should do this for Flagstaff people. And Youngstown area covers pretty well from Hannah to Oyen to the Red Deer River, up to even parts of Coronation. And I thought, well, that's about the size of Flagstaff. I think I could undertake that. Our population is quite a bit more. So I expect I will have a lot more than Youngstown has, but it's been very interesting and it's rewarding for me to, to do it. I really enjoy reading up on people. Yeah, and let's hear some of the statistics. So you said you had over 3,100 yeah, uh, newspaper yeah, clippings of obituaries, and and how about in some of the other categories? Um, well, I like births I and weddings. Anybody that was over a, hit a hundred or within days of like maybe twenty days of being a hundred. So I haven't counted up how many of those I have, but I think there's about over two dozen who have been at least a hundred. Mm. Generally, 105 is the top. Uh, there's two at that age and quite a few at 102 or three and two people at 104. Hugh Bones and a Mrs. Uh, oh, now I, sorry, I don't remember. The name escapes name. you. She was from Alliance. Oh, okay. And, uh, but there is one lady that grew up in Daysland in the 20s. She took all her schooling in Daysland, and she died in 2017 at 110. Wow. Down near Calgary. She was a spinster, and her last name was Goldberg, and it says they were Jewish, and that there was one other Jewish family in Daysland at that time. Both families left in the early 30s for uh, Edmonton or elsewhere. And so I feel real fortunate to have discovered her and have her, her story and that she was 110. Wow. So, so it's, it's, it seems like it's an incredible history that otherwise would be lost. Yeah. Yes. And there have been people that have been, say, the co-op meat manager or used to run the lumber yard somewhere or a former bank manager that was you know, somewhere in, in within the county for several years. And, you know, people come and go, and some of them aren't here for much more than five years, and some are here a lifetime. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so I am having cemeteries, oh, several in BC as people retired to uh, British Columbia in their later years, but lived most of their life here. And so... Fortunately, it says the name of the cemetery, and then I've Googled it to see where is that near and uh, put the name of the town. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a very interesting 
uh, site if you like to know where people have come, where they've been and where they went. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like so much work. Have Now, have people asked you, are, are you crazy? Why would you want to do this to yourself? You know, <laughs> add all this work? Not many other people except my own family. Oh, yeah. Who say, who's going to care? And who's going to even look this up? And my son says, you spend more time on dead people than you do on us live people. (laughs) And uh, so I'm careful to try not to let uh, any family function interfere. But you have to pretty well be a genealogist to probably care about this, unless you just want to look up and see when so-and-so passed away. But if you're looking for the history of that person in the life story of their obituary, then it becomes a critical piece of the puzzle in your genealogical ancestry. Lately, I have uh, solicited the county in just mostly by advertisement, uh, sometimes through the town newsletters. But um, I, have, I am getting some, several responses and I've got three scrapbooks right now that I'm taking apart with uh, obituaries and weddings pasted securely to both sides. So I'm having to photocopy one side and then I can cut apart for the real newspaper clipping for the other part. But um, yeah, it, I had 2,400 in February, I think. And now I've got 30, almost 3,200. Well, that's so great. It's growing. Yeah. You're, so you're still hearing from people. Um, Charlotte, how can people get a hold of you if they're listening to this podcast and they want to get uh, oh. some obituaries to you? Yes. Well, my email is my name, my full name, uh, all small caps. And then the number 51 happens to be the year I was born at gmail.com. So that's charlottecurtis at gmail.com. And if you don't have a computer, lots of older people don't and aren't adept with it, they can give me a call at my home at 889-2139. Or my cell phone is 780-678-0141. So I'd be more than thrilled to hear of more, more uh, contributions to weddings or, or obituaries. Yeah. So Charlotte, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything that I forgot to Boy, ask you I, or anything you'd like to discuss? I think you've done well asking me. I don't know that I can think of anything else. Um just spread the word. Lots of people don't read the newspaper. Lots don't notice the bulletins at the post office. And perhaps there's lots that don't hear the podcast. So whoever does hear about it or see the notices, please spread the word. And uh, I take anything. I've even got historical things like when the Galahad school was just uh rebuilt or a new one was built and the dedication of it churches hundred celebrations or milestones for businesses 
fees have been well over 100 years. Uh, people's anniversaries I've got and people's birthday milestones such as, well, today 70 isn't too much of a milestone, but huh. 80, 90, hundreds. So any of those kind of things, I'm also uh, just collecting. I haven't got a database on them yet, but I think it's still important to uh, retain that history somehow. Yeah, but that's that is coming. So, so you're yeah. obviously very passionate about this. Um, can you kind of encapsulate in words why this means so much to you? I do just have a passion for history, period. But because it meant so much to me to find those histories of my ancestors, I just think for some people, it will mean a lot to have it, to be able to find that in Flagstaff of theirs. So mm. I just am going on, on my own feeling about it that others will probably, some others will feel the same. Oh, I'm sure they will. Well, thank you very much, Charlotte. I wish you all the best on this undertaking. Thank you, uh, Carrie. Thank you.